Yo, welcome back to another episode of Helping Homies Win the Podcast. I'm Antonio J. Bell. It's your boy T. Ross. What's happening, people? I was trying to see if the live audience was going to respond back to me. You feel me? But we didn't have one. We didn't have one. Hey, today we got a really special episode going on, man. Uh, this is our first time having four guests on the show. No, we have two guests and two hosts. A total of four people. Um... Yeah, we got Ashley. I ain't gonna put, I was about hey to put guys. the government out there. Uh, Ashley, aka Sexy Mother Foxy. In the building. <laughs> Yo, hey, I hey, knew that hey. Was I wasn't gonna do that. I wasn't gonna do that. That's fine. Um, but we, had, we had to. We had to. No, we didn't we have to. We had but listen, to. But listen, but listen, but listen. You gotta share what, what that came from. You have to share where that came listen, from. If you listen, if you ain't it. listen to Compassion Fatigue, go ahead and listen. Well, that's what I was about to say. So so this isn't a guest anymore. This is like a, uh, what is she like? A, a returning. A returning guest? Uh, She's a frequent flyer in the neighborhood. Big boy. That's what I thought of when you said <laughs> in the neighborhood. I should have never like said that. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Redo it. And then we also got Amani. Um, peace. Peace, right? Yes. Amani means peace. Yes. In Swahili. Yes. <laughs> Amani, did you have a um a sexy mother foxy screen name? Just name just be name. real. What be real. Give it to us. Uh-oh. <laughs> My first one, and do not judge me. I was in middle school. Oh, I think we talked about this. Yes, we did. And it came from fruit. I mean, not fruit, gum. I was Little Miss Juicy Fruit. Hey. So, no judgment. Sexy Mother Foxy and Little Miss Juicy Fruit. All right, we in the building today, boy. This conversation. (laughs) Don't let that color your lens, no. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Yo, um, so, um, T, I want to know, or Amani or Ashley can, well, we know, we've we've met Ashley. Um, So, we got to talk about Amani a little bit just to introduce her to the homies. Um, how did how did you and T meet? I'm I'm hearing y'all met in uh in like elementary school. Y'all was in, school. y'all went to spelling bee together, right? What <laughs> happened? I wish. No, we met at a UCLA the summer program called Vips Scholars. He Shout was out to in Vips. The cohort above me. Cohort so two. Started, yeah, and I we was I was cohort three. All right, cohort Praise. three Vips. Whoop. Um, so that's where we met, and yeah, kind of went our separate ways, and somehow came back to each other. Yeah, how did Ashley. that how did that happen through Ashley? Like. I feel like I've seen you in passing a like few times. Like, we've been to parties before. Like, we went to R&B only, and that's where I saw you. Colors, yeah, Colors, that's true. And then when Ashley linked up with me, she was already connected to you. And so it was magic. Yeah. So, Ashley, how did that come into play? Because I remember we were I was doing video work for you. Mm-hmm. And did you say, oh, I got something, a project I want to do with a friend? Because I don't think you mentioned Imani. It started as an idea of doing a campaign for black male educators. I had I had an idea of doing like a photo campaign mm-hmm. and then it moved to being an event and then a goal for Homeroom, the platform um, to make educators feel valued, inspired, connected, was to partner with an organization. And so Amani, I was seeing all the work that you were doing with the Underground Network. And so I just thought it was a good collab. Shout out to TUN, Underground Network. Whoop, right. Whoop. And so... We hopped on the phone. We talked about it. It was a good idea. And mm-hmm. then, voila. So y'all weren't, su- like, not super tight. I don't want to say that like that. But y'all weren't already working together. It no. was you saw her work and you was like, yo, I need to align with her organization because of what she was doing. But we've worked together before. 
Okay. In different capacities. In a different capacity. So in college, when I was the Far West Regional Rep, you were the... Far East Regional Rep? Far West, West Regional, Regional Rep. Far West? Yes. Yeah. So... Is that like a click? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> we're both members of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Yes. And so she had that national position. And I was... Oof. I was... Um, you were a co-chair. Yes, for National Membership Services Committee. So basically, yeah. And she was the only person I knew on the board. So it was kind of like, hey, girl, hey. And then we. Hey, um, girl, hey. <laughs> no, but we, we did a lot of good work together. Yeah, we, we did, a lot we did of good the work Far West um, Collegiate Retreat in, in Las Vegas. And yeah, I linked with you and helped you um, do that. And that was kind of like our first introduction of working with each other. So, background Far West Regional Rep, over five states, like all the collegiates within Delta. Mm-hmm. And then we were on a team together. Yeah. And so we had this huge sisterhood retreat in Vegas, like 60 girls. We went out there. We had a conference. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. So what year we worked was this? together. Uh, 2014. 2013 to 2013. 2014. Yeah. Oh, wow. But we also traveled. We were in D.C. together. We were. Atlanta, all the board meetings till 3 a.m. in the morning. Yes. What kind of board meetings y'all having? Serious Delta business, man. <laughs> Serious Delta, Delta business. business is Delta business. That's deep. Yeah. Yeah. That's deep. Because if we go out in Atlanta, we tried to go out. To some party and it just like was not working. Oh yeah, it was a house party, I believe. Yeah, by the time we got there, it was getting yeah. shut down. It was like, oh okay. Honestly, that whole time in life was a whirlwind. I don't, I wasn't supposed to be there. I got a call in the middle of the night asking if I would step into the role, and life changed really fast. I don't remember how I got my position. I think somebody did that. Somebody was like, hey, you want to be in this position? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yo, Next so just I so know. I understand, because I'm a little confused. So you guys are both deltas, or yes, yes. Okay, and and can y'all tell me a little bit about y'all hoods? I didn't go to college. So for those of us that are uneducated, I don't really know about banging in college. I just kind of know how it is in, in the I hood. I hate when people call it you banging. Feel me? We not a gang. Come on So now. I know <laughs> technically y'all are a gang. No, <laughs> no we're not. We're how sorority. How are you not a gang? The, the, the gang has negative connotations. You I can't think, say it. I think a lot of things in the media, like that movie that came out, Burning Sands and all that, it, it shows it, it to yeah. be that. But what we're talking about... Well, burning Sands. How'd you feel about Burning Sands? Because you seemed uh, like you didn't like it. I wasn't. I wasn't against it, but um, my experience was um, I was able to see a different side. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like anything, you get out what you put into it, and so we both were in uh, leadership roles within our organization, and so we were able to get a lot of work done, focus on the positive stuff like community service. Um, yeah. So. I, I don't even remember the movie in detail. I just know that it, it just paints one well, side asked, of the picture. I just asked. I know picture. a lot of people were offended that had like, you know, really repped the set in college. Because so, that, that made it seem like that was all that it's about. And it's, it's not. And it's, that's just. Well, just from a storytelling perspective, it was just one story. Right. 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 And I'm sure there are multiple stories that you could tell within you guys' organizations. Right. right. No disrespect to the hood. Um but I say that because I've been saying y'all been gangbanging. Um, but I know there's, uh, there's like multiple stories. Same thing like um, with most films. I mean, you, you, it's always one, one side of the story. If you try to tell too many stories, you get the hate you give. And it just becomes a lot too much. Um, but anyway, so tell me a little bit about, about your organization. So you guys both pledge at different colleges, different places, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And Okay, can y'all talk about that a little bit? Because I, 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 I literally, I, I know y'all think I'm playing. But I really don't know nothing about fraternities and sororities. Actually, take it away. And Delta Sci-Fi. Far West wow. Regional Representative. Come on, do your thing. That's so funny. Um, so I crossed Taw Delta Spring 12 at LMU. And the reason why I wanted to become a Delta was because the women who were Delta on campus, they were just leaders on campus. Not only were um, they were beautiful, but their GPAs were 
amazing. They were leaders on campus. They led every organization on campus. And so I was like, I want to be like that. And so that's how I, that's how the journey kind of began um, with Delta. I think it was life changing. It taught me a lot about character, about service. It, it pulled qualities out in me that I didn't know I had, like leadership, um, public speaking, terrified of it. Um, but Delta in that role that I was in, it forced me into a position where I was speaking in front of thousands of people. Um, so now it's something I'm really comfortable with, but that's how Delta changed my life in a sense. Um, and like I said, it, it all happened so fast. Uh, it was after a time I was, I was a psychology major in undergrad, changed my major to science, trying to chase what I thought would make me successful. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do what I know I'm good at. I'm going to be of service in my org and do what I need to do. And um, I was appointed to Farmers Regional Rep, and life life changed. And so, um, maybe you can tell a little bit about the org, the history part. Um, so for me, I had a different start. My mother's a Delta, mm. my aunt's a Delta, mm. my godmother's a Delta, mm. my cousin's a Delta. So I grew up around Delta women. I grew up in Delta. Um, going to so was it a situation where like. For the family legacy, you kind of had to pledge, or no. was it that kind of deal? In, no, in your, okay. I had a choice. My mom, it was like it's up to your choice. I mean, if you gonna pledge something, you you, you know you got one choice. But if I, I didn't have to, if I didn't want to, I but I wanted to because yeah. I've grown up really big on giving back, whether it was at church, personal life, whatever it was. Both my parents are social workers. I'm a social worker. Um, giving back is something that I've always grown up on, and so seeing Delta work on a larger scale where they're not in college anymore, but they're still continuing this work because they're passionate about it. The sisterhood that they've created, like where my family, most of my family are Deltas and it's not by blood because my, my mom's side can, is very small, but it's big in Delta. And that's where I got a lot of my relationships. And that's where I saw a lot of the work being done. So I went into college, like I know what Delta's about. Like I know what, to some extent, as much as I could um, from my family. But then, like Ashley said, seeing the people on campus, the women that were in the org and just what they were doing, they were beasts. It's like, you're doing this org, you're succeeding, you're, you're leading the community, you're doing all that I want to do and more. And the fact that it continues after college and just my four years here or my three years, however long I would be in the org here, is only the start. So this is something that I, I will continue to do. Like we say, Delta is a lifetime commitment, and it is, and it's, and it's that that love and sisterhood and giving back to my community from now until whenever is, is what I loved about it. And that's what was my first welcome into it. So it was the sisterhood, the scholarship and the service. It's like, we're smart women. We're here to do what we need to do, but we're also changing the world dynamically. We're doing amazing things and we're beasts when we do it and we look good doing it too. Word, word. So you spoke a little bit about it being a lifetime commitment. That sounds a lot like repping your hood. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna let that go. What I was gonna ask though is, so what does that look like post? Um, is it second secondary school, high school? Huh? Post college. Bro. Post college. Post. But I want to say it like I want to have a like I want to I want it to sound tight. You feel me? All right. Post undergrad, whatever masters, whatever y'all do. What does it look like after that um, in the real world? That you know, kind of allegiance and just like you know, being a part of that that, that fraternity, that family. So for me now, working, I work with uh, Delta Gems. So that is our program for teenagers in high school and helping them get to college. So each year we have women I work with, um, I'm part of Inglewood Alumni Chapter. So we work with those teenagers and we do college preparatory classes, business, how to um, interview, how to wear appropriate business attire, um, work on them with their 
their college applications, SAT prep, and all of that. And that's what the part that I love giving back to our women, our black women, our community, and helping them get into higher education and achieving their goals. So that's for me currently is what it looks like. That's dope. That's dope. I like the fact that there's still involvement post-college because I think a lot of times when people find themselves in like undergrad, the um, desire doesn't go that deep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people can align themselves with what the vision and like the values are and what the organizations stand upon, but it isn't really something that I think people are truly looking for. They just kind of see it and, been like, and they're like, yeah, I, I support that. Because I don't think anybody's going to look at any of the um, Divine Nine or any of the sororities and fraternities out there and say, oh, I don't like that they stand for that. You know what I mean? But I think it takes a special type of individual to truly grasp what it's about and, and, and own it. You know what I mean? So even to hear that both you all kind of hold, not kind of, both of you held leadership positions within the organization, I think, is um, a step above a lot of individuals. You know, no diss to anybody else, but just, you know, who y'all are and what y'all have done thus far. So that's dope. I appreciate that. Um, so that's a little bit of history, you feel me? It's funny because the whole time I was, like, because, Tony, you mentioned, uh, like, your hood. I mean, I, I literally see it that way. I literally see it that way. I just know that, of course, gangs have a very negative connotation. Mm-hmm. But they didn't start off with that, you know. I think they've definitely fell victim to the environment so that it kind of embraced that. But, of course, Greek organizations are in the institution of higher education. So there's a lot more positive reinforcement going on to ensure that these organizations are held accountable. You know, and I think that's probably what was lacking um, in our gangs. I, I don't want to keep comparing it, but no, no, I, I hear I, you. I but there's a love behind but it. But I mean, if uh, from what I is that offensive? It's not offensive, but I'm curious as to. Well, I don't even want to go down that. Well, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, as this, to is, this is what we're here for. This is literally the purpose of the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious as to why you're making the comparison. Well, from what I understand, that's what I was going to, you know, talk to T about or ask him about rather is uh when gangs were first implemented, you know, it was more of a um social or brotherhood to help protect the community against police brutality, from what I understand. I know for sure that's what the Black Panthers were under. I know the Black Panthers have a very negative connotation um from a lot of people that aren't um woke. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say woke. I think that's also more outside of our community. I feel like a lot of black people have a positive connotation of Black Panther group, or at least I feel like that. And whereas gangs, we it's kind of, I feel like it's even intercommunal, that negative connotation that goes along with them. I think it, it can be universal, but it depends on who you're talking to. So I feel like a lot of the OGs aren't going to have the same opinions because they, they weren't moving the way that a lot of the young dudes are moving in the last like 15, 20 years. In regards to who? In regards to gangs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean... I've I've only done documentary work. I ain't never been in no gang or been that close <laughs> affiliated. So I'm gonna go ahead and put that out there. Um but I watch a lot of documentaries. Bro, I wish we had the homie. Um ah, just keep going. I'm, I can't remember his name right now. He's a comedian though. Stevie J. Steve O. Stevie J. Yeah, yeah. Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey. Um so my dad has always done a lot of community work. He works with a lot of people who are formerly incarcerated, currently incarcerated. Um, I've worked with youth that are on probation, at risk, uh, people that are incarcerated, you know, just that whole environment. So a lot of them have come from gangs. And my experience is literally 
through their experiences, like just hearing their stories. Um, and just my interest in Netflix documentaries on these, um, on gangs, you know, just in general. Um, definitely, I feel like it came from a place of the environment shifted what the purpose was, you know, mm-hmm. just common corruption, um, government, um, like, I don't know the word, um, what's the word when somebody comes in? Infiltration into these organizations to really make them corrupt, something similar as the Black Panther Party. You know, um, they talked about, it, it, it's arguable, but, uh, or debatable, um, Crip Community Revolution or Community Resistance and Progress. That's what it stands for. You know, and then from that, there were some issues. People from different sets didn't agree with one another. They wanted to go off and do their own thing, and then they started Bloods. You know what I mean? So it's, I'm not even going to go there. But, yeah, it's, it's very similar. You know, I look at even churches. You know, churches, you know, we're talking about those that believe in Christ, like Bible-based, you know, okay, we believe in this. And then someone's like, no, we believe this way. So now we're Baptist. Now we're Pentecostal. Now we're Kajik. Like, it, it's the same idea. It's the same concept, you know. So I think... We just label them differently, but at the same time, they're community organizations that have a purpose, have a mission, and they carry out what needs to be carried out based on the environment. Well, and, I, and I think those divisions just happen, um, like in a soci- sociology perspective, sociology, where it's like, you know, anytime you have people that group up, they're going to, like, do what they want. Like it's it's going to be corrupt. Everybody's going to have a different opinion and interpretation, is what I'm trying to say, of whatever organization or whatever field it is. Um, but I, I don't know. I I don't know if it's really an argument, but my thought of it is like, I feel like people join gangs, they join uh, sororities, fraternities, they join the LAPD, LAFD, and, you know, all of these different organizations, even, you know, different communities within in college just to, to belong and to have a sense of family and all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Yo, the I'm not even going to go into it too much, but like that reminds me of the stuff I'm learning in school, right? Yeah. Like the sense of belonging, Going the to importance it. of that, mm-hmm. of just finding mm-hmm. a space where you feel as though you're important to the community yeah. and you're needed in that community yeah. because of what you bring to that community. Mm-hmm. And I definitely see that when I talk about, you know, college spaces. Um, when students come in, they're either lacking something or they're looking to gain something more. You know, as Ashley mentioned, mm-hmm. pulling out those leadership qualities that you didn't even know, public speaking, it puts you in situations where, you're forced to grow, you know, and I think people are ultimately really looking for that because that's what we go to school for. Absolutely, but you think know? about it this way too: is like anybody that that sells any kind of narcotic, right? They are an entrepreneur. Unpopular idea, thought, but they are entrepreneur. They run a small business, right? Mm-hmm. That's real. Now they don't have the options to run a small business in you know, quote unquote, the real world or in a more respected legal condition, but that's their means to an end. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my, you know most consistent thoughts is the only time you have crime is in issues where there's a, um, a, a large amount of institutionalized poverty or big wealth gaps. That's why people commit crimes because they don't see the options or there aren't many available options and means to feed their families and do what they need to do. Nobody's like out here banging and, you know, really, you know, going to war with other, you know, neighborhoods or really out here, you know, selling dope just because it's fun. You know, it's a very high risk and very low reward. That's real. You know? That's true. That's true. I mean, so, you know, y'all y'all do your work in your community, y'all respect yeah, the way. I mean, I can definitely see what you all are saying. I think it becomes an issue when your identity in anything, whether it's Delta or an organization becomes fully who you are. Mm-hmm. There are some people that take it to another extreme. 
um, versus, you know, who, knowing who they are as an individual. But I think you get out of it what you put into it. Like my experience is probably very different mm -hmm. from a lot of people's experience and vice versa. So you get out what you put into it. I know my first job before I walked in, they knew who I was because the person that was hiring me, his wife was a Delta. So we could talk about that, you know, just the the connections. The, the, the connections. Mm -hmm. um, but even past Delta, I'm not as involved now um, post-college um, just because the way life happened. But those qualities that I learned from that experience definitely translate to today. So. Do you all feel like that had to do with like the leadership or the people Absolutely. that you were looking to? Absolutely. I always tell like my Neos now, like. What, what's a Neo for those that are listening <laughs> and don't understand? <laughs> Um, so just, just girls who may have crossed after I crossed. Gotcha. Yeah. So I always tell Cross them. Cross meeting that they've joined the organization. Yes. Yes. <laughs> cool. And it's so funny cause I, I honestly haven't thought about Delta in a really long time. So that's why I'm probably a little quiet in this conversation, but I always tell them to join those leadership opportunities. It's not just about the parties. It's not just about the turn up. Um, cause if, if the strolling looks really cool, it does, but you just have to ask yourself, you know, how beneficial right. is that going to be? You ten know, years later. 10 years later, but it's fun. It's a part of the culture. It definitely yeah, is. Yeah. But you get out what you put into it. No, I agree. Because my whole thing was I'm Amani before I'm a Delta. And I will always that part. Bring, to, bring to the table what I was before I was a Delta. Yeah. I feel like Delta only, like she said, enhances that. But I had to have these qualities before I joined Delta. So, well, some of, you know, you can enhance and stuff. But I'm like, I've always been Delta does not define me. And it's not all of who I am, it's a part of it. And I love that part, but I am Imani and I brought to the table so much when I joined the organization. And that's one thing too, like there's a lot of people after college that denounce their letters. Simply, you, you talk about that sense of belonging because they realize that Delta had became a God in their life. Like this is my identity versus like who I am or who wow. I am in God. And so they're not Deltas or they've denounced their letters. Like that happens as well too, because like you said, I'm Imani or I'm Ashley before I'm a Delta, but some people, they don't realize that or in the process of wanting to feel belonged or wanting to feel needed, um, lose their sense of self. And so there's so many different like avenues um, about the conversation. Well, just in terms of identity, I think that's a uh, actually a dope idea. Um, how does that translate to like other um, societal or other um, social settings, social groups, right? Such as even, you know, your faith. You know, it doesn't have to be Christian. It could be, you know, Muslim mm -hmm. or Jewish or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, is there the same sense of, you know, I'm Ashley before I'm a Christian and or I'm Ash mm -hmm. or I'm Antonio before I'm a Muslim. I'm not Muslim, but just to just diversify the mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. Does that still exist or do we always fall into that social norm and not, you know, to the letter about what it means? Like, you know, I, I know the Christian faith, you know, mm -hmm. so not to the letter of what that means for the Christian, but for the church. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It brings up thoughts to me. It brings up <laughs> thoughts to me. You said I'm Antonio before I'm a Christian. What does that even mean? I don't know. I mean, but we're talking about identity. Right. Right. So, so what is your identity? Does your identity have to be like, because I mean, we talk about like any, any, like any faith. Mm -hmm. The goal is usually to be, you know, Christ-like or be a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. However, a lot of times we fall into the culture of our organization, our institution, and whatever mm -hmm. church we're attending, mm -hmm. right? Whatever their culture is, whatever their, 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 their way of thought is, like mm -hmm. the church I attended, you know, about 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the men had a very specific outlook on a lot of topics based on our leadership. So you, you're meaning more so a, a lifestyle versus like a heart disposition, like acting a certain way or falling into norms, 
meaning you're a Christian? Is that what well, you mean? I mean, mean? just like the belief system in just general. Just the belief system yeah. in general. Hmm. Right? I mean, because it's like, I mean, I don't know. I just know that a lot of, like, a lot of times, it's like, you know, with the, with, with, you know, when, when a preacher preaches, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of times it's their interpretation of the text, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure we've all been in churches where mm-hmm. we haven't agreed to the T with what a pastor was preaching. Mm-hmm. And it may not be your, your, your pastor. It could mm-hmm. be, you know, mm-hmm. one of the other pastors filling in or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. So what is your identity and it's just and this is just ideas, you know, not, and it's not just you, anybody. Yeah. But what's your identity? And, you know, when you're in a, a, a different setting, but it's not a Delta when you're in church. Yeah. You know, I think above all, like I'm a daughter of the king first. Like right. my faith um, is something that I definitely lead with. And it's so interesting that you say I'm Antonio before I'm a Christian, because I think one thing that I'm grappling with now is do I trust myself more than I trust God? Mm-hmm. And um yeah. And I, and I, I don't know if I need to break that down a little bit. Um, uh-huh. Going back to your identity. So when I think about 2018, like my entire goal was what is my identity in God and what does that mean? Or just in within myself. Right. Um, and what does it mean to truly lean and have faith on him? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily just a way of life, but just, what does it mean to live like an authentic life? If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question. I, I don't, I don't, this is a question I don't think has an answer. Okay. You know what I'm saying this is mm-hmm. just one thing I like to do is provoke thought. Right. You know, and I ask myself a lot of challenging questions and I ask the homies a lot of challenging questions too. Um, so I think about that as, as well myself. Like for me, I know that I've kind of backed away, um, from the church and God, to be real, a little bit, just based on um, not agreeing with what I was taught within, mm. you know, the culture I was brought up in. Like what? And, Go for it. Oh, and to that, I don't necessarily, what I've done for myself is learn that I'm more spiritual than I am right. tied to a religion. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question, I think that we learn in the Bible that, you know, we're supposed to represent God. When I walk in, you're supposed to see God through me, through my words, right. through my actions. And and I, I believe that. So I believe I'm one in him. But to go off what you're saying, yeah, I feel like I'm more spiritual than religion due to all of that goes on. Like we yeah. want to say we're Christians and we love God and Jesus, but we're talking negatively or we're doing this. And I just feel like not everybody's actions align with what they say. Right. So for me, my I feel like my the relationship with me and God is first, or mm. that's what's more important than me saying I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, I'm Baptist, right, but, right, yeah, Methodist, right. etc. So I think it just it depends on how you, again, how you want to see that. But I think pe- sometimes we lose the idea of what's me and him versus right. what's me than what this person who's the mediator, quote unquote of what I'm supposed to learn. I or mean, be to be right. real, a lot of us don't have a me and him because you're in, you know, it's. I feel like a lot of people don't understand the fact that you fall into the culture of, of your setting, right? And none of us do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. But wherever you work, wherever you play ball at, whatever sport you play or whatever, there's a culture. As an actor, as an artist, there's a culture to, to what I do, you know? As an educator, there's a culture to that, right? As a social worker, there's a culture to that. Mm-hmm. And there's a way that you move, right? And the same thing applies within a church that doesn't always go hand in hand with, you know, what is paramount um, or what is like, you know, gospel, you know, in, in, a, in a literal sense, you know? So for me, it's like, I, I got caught up with the idea that a lot of stuff that I'm following, the way that I'm behaving or the way that I am interpreting the world 
is a view from a viewpoint of people that are that are teaching me. Mm-hmm. You know, for yeah. example, with you know my church when I was coming up, I remember um, one of the I was dating this girl. Or it's correct, we weren't even really dating, but we were spending a lot of time together. And I was like really like you know waiting until marriage. You know, we hadn't kissed or anything, but we were like we were really good friends. Mm-hmm. And I remember some of the leaders over the youth would say that you're not allowed to kick it with her at your at your house. Mm-hmm. You know, if you guys want to hang out, y'all got to come to my house. You got to go to your auntie house, who was a you know minister. You got to uh, be at the pastor house. Y'all can't kick it alone, right? And that was their way of sheltering us so we didn't fall into sin, mm-hmm. right? Ain't, that ain't nowhere in the Bible, right? But that is the culture in which we're coming up and we trust these individuals who are saying they're doing things within God or God. And I, that's, I don't know. I hate when people tell me what God told them. But it's so <laughs> real, though. I've had, I really feel like you have to have a relationship with God. Yeah, right. you like you cannot, you, you have to have your own relationship. You mm-hmm. can't rely on your minister, your pastor. That's one way that God can speak to you through a person. I've experienced that, but it's not, you, the, only way. It's not the only way. You mm-hmm. have to have your own relationship. So I think it goes back to spirituality versus religion. A lot of people go to church every Sunday, but don't have a relationship with God. Right. If you're not praying every day, if you're not, you know, asking him to fill places in your life that need to be filled. If you're not seeking him for those answers that you need, um, then that relationship won't happen. And Mm. so you, you have to have your own relationship. It's just like if you have a girlfriend, right? If you don't talk to your girlfriend for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you ain't got a girlfriend. You think y'all going to be good. Like you (laughs) You think, you think you guys are going to still be in love. You think she's going to know your heart. Do you think she's going to know what it is that you need and want? Absolutely not. Because Mm. you guys aren't communicating. And I feel like people fall prey to, without asking questions and, and just be like, okay, since you're teaching me, this must be the way. And that's not it. God says you, I mean, I feel like faith is built through questioning Mm -hmm. to Mm. say to, for me to identify, okay, what is this saying to me or how am I feeling about that? And being able to question it and then either learn about it, but then be like, at the end of the day, okay, I trust you to answer it. Or I'm building this relationship on my own. That's the initial. And I think that's what it's about. It's not about blindly following because as we see, Religion has been used terribly through history yeah, absolutely. because blindly following. So I feel like the importance of is, is having your, again, having your own relationship. Yes. You have people who are helping you, who are mentoring you, who may help you understand where you're going, but it's all between you and God. Cause again, this person may say you're going down road a, when God's like, I need you to go this way. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have your own relationship, you can't hear him. You can't see him. You can't feel what he's saying. Okay. I need you. To, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. So it's all about, I feel like, again, questioning and making sure that we, create our own identity in Christ and not relying on others to create that for us. But I also think too, because people have been hurt within Mm -hmm. church, Mm -hmm. just experiences they've had or expectations that they've had that it hasn't lived up to a certain expectation. Um, you kind of turn your back, like, you know, what's the point or you, you, you unbelieve, like, you know, you, you start to not to believe. And, um, I think that's a real thing as well too. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be acknowledged as well, uh, because I do feel like church is a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said on the last podcast, you know, my mom, she's worked at my childhood church, you know, ever since I grew up. And I hear stories about how people are not Christ-like. Mm-hmm. They want to protre- project a certain lifestyle, but what is your heart like, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that anger and hurt, that's also a thing, too, that prevents a lot of people from actually wanting to have a relationship with God. Maybe in anger and hurt can come from a lot of different things, not just church, maybe something that happened in your life. Like, yo, how is there a God and this happened to me? You know, I mean, it's in human error. Like nobody is perfect. Not even your pastor. Like, so 
it's those, I guess, beliefs that, okay, he's the one that's telling me this from God, so he has to be holy in it. And it's, it's not. And I think once you have an encounter with God, mm. then uh, your faith, it, it goes to a different level. One of the things I feel like is important when it comes to faith is it's important to have identity in yourself first. Because I think often, so I grew up going to church for a while. And then we fell off because we were looking for a church home. And then it wasn't so much a priority. And then maybe when I, when my family moved to Carson, I was like 13 or something. It was when we started to build that relationship at home. We'd have Bible studies at the dinner table. We'd have dinner, then we'd have Bible study. That was a different relationship because when I was younger, it was just going to church. And for me, I think that sets this religious tone of I'm supposed to go to church by habit. Mm -hmm. So there is no interest in developing a relationship because I don't need to develop a relationship. I'm already doing what I need to do. But without having identity, so I think with identity, our identities are definitely shaped by how we were brought up, our family, um, the environments we go to, the schools we go to, and that can potentially conflict with what we're learning in church and what we're developing in our spiritual identity. And I think it's impossible to truly have a relationship where we are exposed to our carnal or like our worldly or our physical if we aren't aware of where we are physically in this world as far as identity is concerned. And I say that because for me and my, like at least for me and my walk, um, I had to come to a place where I owned my faith for myself, not because mm -hmm. it was given mm -hmm. and I was in church. I got to a place where I walked away from my faith, not intentionally, but slowly. Stop going to church. Mm -hmm. yeah, Stop reading absolutely. the word. Mm -hmm. Stop praying, you know? And then I looked up one day and I was like, man, I'm in school and I'm not doing the best. What's going on? Mm -hmm. Man, I was in this relationship and that didn't pan out. Mm -hmm. I realized I had habits that I needed to quit. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I'm going to these parties and I'm engaging in smoking, drinking, all mm -hmm. these different things, right? And it wasn't in any way, shape, or form something I was conscious of how I was handling myself in those mm -hmm. spaces. So I got to a point where it's like, yo, I'm exhausted and I'm tired and mm -hmm. I don't know where to turn. Mm -hmm. And I was in this ditch and I had to look up and it's like I had the faith because of the habits to know that there was a higher being. Right. Mm -hmm. There was um, a higher power that I could turn to. So in turning to God, I was able to then confess where I was and where my deficits were in order to in order to understand how my spiritual identity could strengthen me in the areas in which I was weak. But I never would have known those areas had I not been aware of my physical identity. You get what I'm saying? So you're saying that you have to be aware of your physical identity before you know who you are in God? Not know who you are in God, because I think it's one thing to know who you are in God. So I, I definitely think I misspoke when I said that, but it's more so know who you are in God, but at the same time, know also where you are realistically, because that, that's what it is. The religious, the religious identity, at least that I've been around, suggest that I got things together. People go to church to sometimes put on a show, at least in the, sh the churches mm -hmm, I've been to. Mm -hmm. People are acting holier than thou, mm -hmm. acting as if they don't cuss, as if they don't do all these things. They mm -hmm. remove all of the quote-unquote sin in their lives for the sake of being around church folk, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that hiding of who it is that you are mm -hmm. prevents God from truly influencing the other areas of your life mm -hmm. so it's important to come to terms and understand where you're struggling for god to truly 
meet us where we are. So my question is, do you think that you can identify those areas in your life on your own? Do no. you feel, you see what I'm saying? Like that, that self-awareness, do you yes. think that's individual or do you think that's actually driven by having a relationship with God? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's driven. I definitely think it's driven. Cause like, do you I, think I, I you, think it, I think it's wisdom. And I think that comes from the Holy spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. So having wisdom is what I think allowed me to recognize my situation from the Holy spirit, from the Holy spirit. But I wasn't aware of the Holy spirit's protection and covering in my life. I just came to a point where it was like, man, I was sitting down, I was reflecting. Now I attribute that to being, um, a part of my spirituality that I wasn't abandoned in that. But at the same time, I think there came a point in time where I, I had to recognize where I was because God doesn't impose himself upon us. Right. We, we have to be willing and open to accepting that. And I think to come to be willing and open to accepting that we have to come to the end of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that requires us to be aware of self, that self-awareness. So God can tell us where we are, but we have to make the decision because of our free will to turn back around or mm -hmm. be like, God, I need help. Mm -hmm. So I think a part of that definitely is self-awareness. And I can't say like God allows for us to do it, but God isn't going to make us do it. Mm. So yeah. I'm a bit perplexed. I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled. <laughs> I'm puzzled. Now let me, let me, let me ask the, uh, the red table this, um, <laughs> the red shout, table. Out, shout out to Jada. Um, so do you all think it's important to have an identity and life experience before really getting to know and the devotion of God? Because I feel like, you're shaking your head. No, I love it. But I feel like, you know, I asked this question because of this, because I feel like if, if people, especially children are too sheltered, right? Mm -hmm. It's always that idea of like, they need to know more about what's, what's on the other side. Or if they're not mm -hmm. growing up, growing up in a certain environment, mm -hmm. um, that environment becomes, um, maybe more tempting because they haven't experienced any of it. Mm -hmm. Right. If you, if you're always sheltered and going to, you know, um, Christian schools mm -hmm. and you're you know, heavily involved in a church and things mm -hmm. like that, that lifestyle that you didn't get to partake in, take in early on, mm -hmm. you know, can sometimes be disruptive to your faith because you don't know how to deal with the real world because you've been so That's real. I've experienced right? that. That's real. So I'm... But I think yeah. that... I mean, I, this is, I mean, just because we're talking about spirituality, that's why yeah. I framed it in that, in that way. But because I think about myself, like, you know, when I, when I finally did develop a relationship with God, my parents didn't really raise me in a church like that. You know, I didn't really get introduced to God until I started hanging out with my cousins at uh, my auntie house. And she was very involved in the church. And then she had us going to church a lot. Um, and that way, it was my own personal choice, which benefited me because nobody forced it on me. Right. I chose to go to church. Uh -huh. You know, I chose to, to go to my auntie's house. I chose to go to Bible studies and, and get involved in that community. And it meant something to me in that way. So I just wonder is, I mean, because, I mean, I think about a lot of the... Um, you know, the men in the um, the New Testament, you talk about Mark, Luke, John, um, Paul, they've all had experience and they all have a very strong testimony prior to committing themselves to, to, to God, mm -hmm. you know, you know, becoming, you know, disciples. They lived a life, you know, they had a real life from what I understand. So is that not a, a good prerequisite before even getting baptized? You know, it's my opinion that you shouldn't be baptized like at. 10 years old because yeah. your parents told you to. That's got to be a choice, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I think you answered part of that in that, though. And there's a point where God allows you to make a choice. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be a trial and tribulation where you're at your lowest point. But 
there's a point, like you said, where you choose it. Mm-hmm. Where Tarek was like, although I've gone to church, I've kind of stepped away because that was just like a routine. But now I'm I'm choosing to develop this relationship with God. Right. So I don't think it necessarily has to be bad. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. No, no, no. Be, you know, you got somewhere and you was like, damn, how did I get here? Mm. Oh, that was you. And then you develop that It's that part. I think we underestimate the covering that is, um, that's over your life. You know, if you grew up in church and maybe you separated for a while and then you got back, um, I think that has a lot to do with just being, just God covering you in those, in those early years. I also think, um, I think the world will try to teach people who they are um, through different things. And so I'm just going to share. So last year, uh, my goal, right, my number one goal last year was wholeness, like to completely love like the good parts, the bad parts, everything. Um, And it's really funny. I think timing is funny because I was um, talking with my pops a few a few weeks ago. And I was like, you know, a reason why I don't really tell my story is because it involves your story as well, too. And he's like, tell my story. And that caught me off guard because you guys have seen my dad. Right. He's like a sharp guy. You haven't seen him, but he's a sharp. He's a sharp guy, like full of pride. He's like, tell my story because, you know, someone will be saved because of it. And so he was like, you know, when you were little, you probably don't remember. You know, I would go to meetings in Santa Ana and there was this. motivational speaker that I would never forget. And he said, um, you know, at the end of the night, you know that you've made it if you have your watch on, like, because things will get so bad that you would sell everything on your body Mm. to get like that last fix. Right. And so I say that to say, um, I say that to say, when you think about abandonment, right. Um, it's just not, leaving someone in a trash can or whatever it may be like a lot of different people have different gods within their life it may be drugs and alcohol it may be work like if your parents are a workaholic it may be a lot of different things right and um so in thinking about how that impacted me right as a kid as a child i'm growing up in church every Mm -hmm. sunday i'm there every sunday all this stuff that's happening around me i have no idea that this is happening like in a lot of families, like don't ask, don't tell. And this is just only my personal story because I think it fits the conversation that we're having, right? Yeah. So as I get older and I'm thinking about, okay, what is the emotional impact of, of this that was happening during that time? Um, relationships, right? How you relate with people, who you are, your identity, a lot of that goes back to that. Um, but the enemy will try to tell you who you are before you have an, before you have a chance. So there's a lot of people in this world that um, come from broken families, um, that have experienced things, people have abandoned them, people have left them, whatever it may be, and that's their conception of self. That's their identity, right? But if you don't have God in your life to tell you no, that you're love, or know that, just t- to tell you who you are, um, I really don't know how you would be able to to truly navigate that space. Does that make sense? And so the conversation around um, identity, I feel like you have to know who you are in God first because God tells you, you know, who you are. If you allow the world to tell you who you are, you'll be your story. You'll be, I always wonder though, why why is it always, uh, um, and this is another theoretical question, but 
it's always like pitted God against the world. And I know a lot mm-hmm. of that rhetoric is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it means what you know we often use it as, but I feel like a lot of it works in tandem, right? A lot of your life experience, a lot of the things that, that happen to you in the quote unquote world, mm-hmm. you know, are maybe God's way of teaching you or allowing things to, uh, you know, you to build your story and things to work for you a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Or you to be, to, or you to, for you to be able to um, like operate maybe in your purpose, depending on some of your, your trials and tribulations or what the case is. But it's mm-hmm. always like, I don't know. I just, I struggle with that because I'm I, like, I'm like where I am in my, it's my own perspective of life mm-hmm. is I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not looking at things as, 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 as bad as I used to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like everything isn't the devil for me. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying nobody here said that, but I'm just, I'm just saying that, you know, if, we actually talked about this the other day, T. We were talking about how, like, you know, we're learning to just kind of be more flexible and open to the universe in a way where, you know, if I'm late for work, you were saying, you know, uh, Tarek was sharing with me, if he's late to work, he's not rushing out of the house and, and tripping out. Like, he's not going to take advantage of that. Maybe it's on a podcast, too, actually. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that you're kind of embracing it because, you know, you don't know what was waiting for you out there. Funny thing, too, um, this morning, right, I spent the night at a friend's house, and I woke up. And, you know, with dogs barking outside, it's a helicopter flying over. I'm just so, I'm, I was raised here. I'm so used to L.A. I'm like, oh, whatever, mm-hmm. L.A. You know, I hear men yelling outside, and I had to move my car before the street sweeper came around, right? Uh, or the whatever, whatever was going on on that, on, that, on that street. And before I left, I'm like, yo, hold up. I hear all this commotion outside. We're on the third floor. Why don't I go look outside to see what the hell is going on before I go waltzing outside? into a situation that I have no idea what's going on. Turns out they've got like three blocks or whatever blocked off the police mm-hmm. because they're looking for somebody. You know, there's somebody made terrorist threats mm-hmm. and he was last seen in our building. We forgot to lock the door. So the police came into our unit and, you know, it was like, yo, y'all didn't lock your door. We just want to make sure he didn't run up in here. So they came, they came in real cool, real cool. Actually gave me faith in police. Um, they came in, guns, you know, the guns drawn out of us, but they were like, you know, search the apartment, make sure it was safe. And then they left, make sure y'all lock your door, have a good day. We gonna go find them, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, a situation where, you know, I woke up late. I woke up at 7.55. You know, the dude was last seen in the stairwell of the, the building I was in. You know, I should have been with my car, but I didn't. Why? You know what I'm saying? You know, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't just walk, walk out there ignorantly. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit that was like, yo, just, you know, check on, check on outside real quick before you, you know, make that move. So you but, said something told you to check, but you ignored it. No, I didn't ignore it. I went to check. It was, it was oh. just a thought, you know, it was a thought just for benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm going to say it was the Holy Spirit, you know, mm-hmm. um, just for the conversation. But, you know, it could have been anything, just whatever, whatever it was. A thought occurred to me. Let me go check outside before I walk out of here like an idiot. You know what I mean? You know, just and walking down the street because I could have been a casualty. You know, just on mistaken identity, which happens often, right? But I say all that to say, like, you know, I could have looked at that, you know, uh, the people I was with, they couldn't go to work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because of the stuff was going on. They could have, but they elected not to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, let's wait it out and see what's happening. But that could be looked at as such an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, the police, what are they doing? The helicopter, why are these dogs barking? Man, I got to move my car, man. I'm about to get a ticket, whatever, whatever. But you're not embracing what's going on that, that could be saving you from something else, from an accident up the street or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. But... I feel like some of the worst things that happened to us, you know, happened to us for a reason, you know, not all of them. You know, there's some stuff I don't understand. Like, you know, I was molested as a kid. I don't understand why that happened. I haven't figured that one out yet. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that aren't as egregious that, you know, may not be that bad of a thing. But we want to label it as that because it doesn't fit our plan for our lives. 